Welcome to Westport Road Baptist Church. We're delighted that you've joined us for today's message. Westport Road Baptist Church is located at the corner of Hurstbourne Lane and Westport Road in Louisville, Kentucky. If you have a Bible, please have it handy and prepare your hearts and minds as we enter God's Word. Great to be with you on, a, on this uh, rainy morning. I'm thankful to have a, have a rain for the first time. I wonder if in your life, if there's ever been somebody who's ever said, their last words. Maybe it was a father, maybe it was a mother, maybe it was a loved one who said some famous last words to you. Uh, in our, our home, we talk about uh, the words that Jacqueline's father spoke to her before uh, he died when she was 12 years old about following Jesus. Well, there's been some famous last words that had happened throughout, some serious, some not so serious. The uh, actor Humphrey Bogart, um, older generation may remember him. He, his famous last words was, I should never have switched from scotch to martinis. That was his reported last words. Very, very meaningful to pass on. Karl Marx, he was apparently a very happy person. Uh, he wrote, a, it was a philosopher, and, and uh, much political thought was based upon him in certain circles. His last words were this, last words are for fools who haven't said enough. Then he died. That was it. Uh, John Adams, our, our uh, uh, president, he uh, was July 4th. He was about to die. And his last words were, Thomas Jefferson survives. Uh, they were political rivals. They became friends later. But what John Adams didn't know was that a few hours before that, Thomas Jefferson had actually died. Uh, they both died on July 4th. But those were their famous last words. Well, with Jesus, um, we come to some points where he has several kind of last words. Uh, we have his last message to his disciples. We have his last uh, words on the cross. We have his most famous last words before he ascended into heaven, the great commission to go into all the world. And where we're going to be today is in Jesus' last sermon to the disciples in John chapter 17. I'd invite you to open up. There's a few Bibles if you didn't bring one there, uh, or I should say chair Bibles if you didn't bring any there. Uh, John chapter 17. And we're going to be looking here uh, at his words and prayer for the disciples in John 17 verses 13 to 19. Now, the entirety of John 17 is all Jesus praying. In fact, in verses 1 through 5, Jesus prays for himself. In verses 6 to 19, he prays for his disciples. In verses 20 to 26, he prays for all believers into the future that will believe on him, which is pretty cool. If you if you've wondered, has Jesus ever spoken to you? Yes, the Bible, God's speaking to you. But Jesus, at the end part of John 17, actually prays for you specifically who would believe after he was here. We're not going to be sitting in that, but it's a pretty awesome thing to read through. So we're going to read all of John 17, 13 to 19. Let us hear the word of the Lord. Jesus says in verse 13, I am coming to you now, but I say these things while I'm still in the world so that they may have the full measure of my joy within them. I have given them. Remember, this is Jesus praying to God. I have given them, the disciples, your word, and the world has hated them for they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. For them I sanctify myself, that they too may be truly sanctified. So Jesus' words here in his prayer for his disciples, and there's a lot that's in these last uh, six verses. 
Now, it's important as we start this sermon to remember the goal that Jesus says in the prayer is this. The goal of Jesus' words is that we may have his full measure of joy. So we're going to be talking some about not being of this world and what does that mean and what does that look like. But Jesus' prayer and his message to you is that you may be filled with the full measure of his joy. Thinking in the context, we haven't found what we're looking for. What many people say is happiness. It's really God says, I want you to have the full measure of my joy. So keep that in mind kind of as we work through this. But Jesus says that the world has hated him and that the world will hate us because he is not of this world and that we are not of this world. Now, that seems kind of strange, right? You're not of this world. Well, but we're here in this world, but you're not of this world. What does that mean? And what does that really look like for us? You know, Jesus came from the Father. He came from heaven to earth. And the good news of the gospel, he came to reconcile the world, all of creation, humanity, unto himself. And so when you become a follower of Jesus, you no longer are a part of this world. In fact, in Corinthians, it says you're a new creation, which the word there means a brand new, never yet before created thing. God radically changes us, and he says, not just your citizenship now belongs to heaven, but your whole world and life belongs to heaven. So what does that look like? What does this world look like? You know, we just had our family dedication and baby dedication, so I thought it might be good this morning to have for our time to say what it looks like, to go back to a kid's Bible. This is actually found in our library. We're going to have a story time moment. Is that okay? It's cozy outside. We'll get a little cozy inside. Snuggle up to the person next to you, I guess, even if you don't know. Thank you, guys. Thank you, students. There, if you Hopefully you put on deodorant this morning and are getting close to each other. But I thought it might be good just to have a little bit of story time. This comes from the Jesus Storybook Bible. And I'm going to go to the end and read the story about heaven. Because I want us to understand a little bit more where we come from. Pictures will be, well, they're already there on the screen. If you can read that, you're very good. But just listen. All right. This is a dream of heaven. John was one of Jesus' helpers. He was old now and living on an island, which might sound nice, except it was a prison. The leaders put him there to stop him from talking about Jesus. But I'm sure you don't think a little thing like being in a cell in a prison on an island in the middle of the ocean could stop God's plan, do you? One morning, Jesus appeared right there in John's cell. Jesus' eyes were bright, shining like the sun. I am going to show you a secret, John, Jesus said, about when I come back. His voice was like the sound of rushing waters. Write down what you see so God's children can read it and wait with happy excitement. Then John gave Jesus or then Jesus gave John a beautiful dream, except John was wide awake and what he saw was real and would all come true one day. I see a throne and on the throne is a king and the king is Jesus and all around the throne, people are bowing down. They are giving him their treasures. There are loud cheers and clapping, clapping and bright laughter like a thousand waterfalls. And everyone burst out singing a new song. This is our king, the lamb who died. So we don't have to. Our rescuer. All honor and praise and glory forever and ever. 
And every creature everywhere in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea joins in. And then from all around, a wide, immense, beautiful silence. And I see Satan, God's horrible enemy, thrown down, defeated. I see a sparkling city shimmering in the sky, glittering, glowing, coming down. From heaven, heaven is coming down to earth. God's city is beautiful. Walls of topaz, jasper, sapphire, white streets paved with gold, gleaming pearl gates that are never locked shut. Where's the sun? Where's the moon? They aren't needed anymore. God is all the light people need. No more darkness, no more night. And the king said, look, God and his children are together again. No more running away or hiding. No more crying or being lonely or afraid. No more being sick or dying. Because all these things are gone, yes, They're gone forever. Everything sad has come untrue. And see, I've wiped away every tear from every eye. And then a deep, beautiful voice that sounded like thunder in the sky says, Look, I'm making everything new. It was hard to squeeze all John saw into words and fit it onto a page and cram it into a book. But Jesus said, I am the beginning and the ending And one day, John knew heaven would come down and mend God's broken world and make it our true perfect home once again. I'm on my way, said Jesus. I'll be there soon. John didn't write the end, though. He simply wrote, come quickly, Jesus, because the truth is this story is to be continued. Friends, in this children's story, I think we hear of our own story that heaven is coming to earth. This, this is your home, that God has made your home. You belong to him. You do not belong to this world, to its fading system, but you belong to something much greater than this, a place where death does not have the final word. And when we hear this, right, when, when we see what happened in Las Vegas, part of us says, that's not right. When we hear the diagnosis of cancer, we say, that is not right. And that's true. It's not right. It's not our story because we're not of this world. Our world belongs to God. But here's the next thing. Sometimes we get stuck and we think, okay, my world belongs to God. And so I'm just going to live and and be in that world. And Jesus is coming back. And so forget this world. I don't even want to be a part of this world. I'm just going to sit here in my happy place and hold on out to the end because I don't even want to deal with the mess of this world because I'm not of this world. Sorry, people that are still in the world. I'm over here and I'm good and I'm just going to stay there. But that's not what Jesus says. In fact, what he says in verse number 15 is this. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. So say, come on. You're saying that that beautiful world with no death, no crying, no all that, that's where I'm from and that's where I belong. But Jesus then doesn't say, God, I pray that you would take them out of this world and bring them to be with me. No. Jesus says, I pray not that I, that you would take them out of this world. You see, we get stuck sometimes on, on, on different ends of the spectrum. Sometimes we live so much in the reality of, of, of the world we come from and the reality of heaven and the reality of eternal life that we abandon this world around us. I don't want anything to do with it. 
I just live in this escapism world. I'm just going to cling on and I'm just going to forget about this world. And, but that's not what Jesus prays. Jesus prays that we do not come out of this world because we're not called to escape from this world. You're not called to escape from this world. In fact, you are called to be in this world. You are called to be making a difference in this world. You're called to be bringing this world, this kingdom, this God's kingdom into where we live, into the mess. Because you're not from it, God calls us and he sends us into that world to serve. Sometimes as Christians, you know what we do? We we create a kind of a Christian bubble. We create this. Christians can be weird. Let's just be honest. Christians can be really, really weird. We, um, we, we, we do things and say things and people say, what, what's wrong with them? I don't mean like courageous, like love things, but like, I don't know, like we, we develop our own vernacular. We develop our own, sometimes even our own music, our own language. And sometimes we, we purposely talk in a way that nobody else around us will understand. And then we'll be like, sorry, you just don't get it. You, you're not saved. Well, that's, that's not what Jesus here is talking about. Jesus does not want us to create our own Christian bubble where we never interact with the problems and the pain and the misery and the sin of that's around us. But what Jesus does want us to do, he says this, I pray that you protect them from the evil one. Jesus' prayer is that in this world, we are protected from the evil one. You know, this sermon series was picked out months ago. And isn't it remarkable, the timing? I mean, who could imagine the events that unfolded last Sunday night in Las Vegas? That this would be the timing of, of this, this message this morning. There is no doubt that we live in a world that is full of evil. Jesus says, don't get in your bubble. Don't just hide. Don't live in fear. But instead, Jesus prays that as we go into this world, that you would be protected from the evil one. I shared the story on Wednesday night when we were teaching about a similar topic. It was interesting how the two kind of came together. When I was in uh, uh, junior in high school, I was 21 years old, a buddy and I traveled to uh, Cambodia and Thailand together. And we arrived in Thailand. It was my first time in Southeast Asia. And um, the only person I knew in Thailand happened to be in the United States at the time. So we were by ourselves. We were going to catch the bus and ride to the border with Cambodia. Well, Southeast Asia, the pulse is just very different than it is here. Uh, the lights, the, the sounds, the engaging. And uh, we went, caught a taxi. We thought we were, uh, we gave him the hotel. He was trying to talk to us. He didn't speak much English. We thought he was saying one thing, but then we realized he was trying to take us to the red light district in Bangkok. And we said, no, no, take us to our hotel. And in, in that moment, and then where we were staying, knowing what was going on around us was very overwhelming. In fact, it was very consuming by fear. Let me put it this way. On the flight home, I rode next to a businessman from Denver. And he looked over at me unsolicited, and he said, You know the best thing that ever happened in my life? No. When my wife divorced me. Really? And he said, Oh, I fly over to Bangkok, and he called it the Disneyland of Bachelorhood. And that was his existence, and that's where he was. And, you know, I was so overwhelmed by fear in that moment, a new culture. And the Thai people are really beautiful, but there was a lot of evil that was happening right near where we were staying. And the next day we began to pray. We began to pray, my friend and I. And, you know, I saw in my mind's eye, we were walking down Khao San Road where we were staying, and it was a demonic carnival. I've never really had an experience quite like this. 
It was a demonic carnival, but I saw my friend and I, do you know what? We were illuminated by fire inside my mind's eye. Do you know what happened in that moment? All fear went away. All fear was gone. We ended up in some interesting places, had to play some bribes to people and guns to let us through. Like we ended up in some really uh, interesting places, but fear never entered again. Why? Because Jesus's prayer here is that he sends us into the world and that we might be protected from the evil one. We live in a world full of evil. Jesus does not want us to suddenly, because of fear, get really closed in on ourselves and think, Jesus, you're coming to save us, so we're just going to close the walls in. As the days and times perhaps have become more evil, it's to even blow the walls out and to be sent out in the protection of the Father. You are more protected in this world as the Father protects you than if you're trying to protect yourself. And Psalm chapter 91 is a psalm that recently, about over the past month, I've gone to frequently, sometimes reading several times a day. It's a prayer that I pray over my family. It's a prayer that I pray over my kids. It's a prayer that I pray over myself. And I want to read to you just a couple verses from there, Psalm chapter 91. And I just want to pray this over you as well. Surely God will save you from the fowler's snare and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his feathers And under his wings, you will find refuge. God's faithfulness will be your shield and your rampart. You will not fear the terror of night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, nor the plague that destroys at midday. And that psalm goes off just praying God's protection. And I'd say, parents, even if your kid's 52... It might be a good idea to continue to pray God's protection over them daily. As your kids, if your kids are younger, as they go off to school, pray your protection over them. As they go off to concerts, as they go off to things, pray God's protection. Because God has the ability that we don't have in our own strength to protect ourselves or to protect others. But Jesus' prayer and his last prayer is that we would be protected from the evil one. That's his prayer for us. God does not want us to live an existence of fear. God has called us to live an overcoming life. But what you are looking for will not be found hiding in fear. It will be found in living a life of faith with the protection of the Father. So friends, I ask you this. If you haven't found what you're looking for, is your home with God? Is your home with God? Are you living like you belong to heaven? And that's where you're meant to be. Is your home with God? Are you trying to escape from the world? Are you trying to live a life of fear because you won't find what you're looking for there? Are you trusting in God's protection from the evil one? If you're not trusting in God's protection, you won't find what you're looking for. So then how should we live? Jesus's words there in verse 17 says, sanctify them by truth. Your word is truth. Now sanctify is a pretty easy uh, word here. It just means set apart. Uh, this, this book from our library, it was sanctified. It was set apart to be a part of our library and it came from where it was. God wants to set you apart from the world. He wants to set you apart from a life of fear so that where you go, you can live in confidence knowing that God is your protector, knowing that you don't belong to this world. So Jesus wants to sanctify you. 
He wants you to set you apart. I want to tell you a story. There was a man named Arthur Stance. Arthur Stance was born in West Sydney, Australia in 1885. His parents were alcoholics, and uh, he resorted to poverty. In fact, uh, he worked in the coal mines, and by age 12 became a ward of the state. He too became an alcoholic, and by age 15, he ended up in jail. He ended up getting out of jail, and his job became a lookout for an illegal gambling ring that was going off. And by his 20s, he graduated to become the lookout for his sister's brothel there in Sydney. So finally, at the age of 32, he enlisted for World War I, but his health was so bad that three years later, he was medically discharged, and Arthur Stance had lived quite a life by the age of 35. This existence went on for 10 years uh, until 1930. When Arthur Stance walked into St. Barnabas Church in Sydney, Australia, and he heard the gospel and he responded and God radically changed and saved his life. Arthur Stance was gripped by the word eternity. In fact, it was something he thought about often, eternity, eternity. And two years later, a minister came into that church and he preached, eternity, eternity, how I wish that everyone on every street and every corner in Sydney could hear the word eternity. And Arthur Stance, who was illiterate, he could barely even write his name, felt like that was his calling. And over 35 years, Arthur Stance, who barely could, could write his own name, this wrote the word eternity in chalk all throughout Sydney. It was estimated he wrote it over 500,000 times over 35 years. People didn't even know who he was because he'd get up at 5 a.m., but as the workers came into the city, they would be greeted by eternity, eternity. Arthur Stance died later in his 1960s. But as the millennium turned in 2000, Sydney was the first major city to celebrate uh, the millennium. And all of us were watching because we wanted to see if their lights would go off and their bank accounts would happen because Y2K was going to strike in, in the world. But we were watching Sydney's millennial celebration. When the fireworks went off in Sydney Harbor, there appeared a word on the bridge, eternity, eternity. Arthur Stance had such an impact by writing eternity because Jesus had changed his life. That he knew he was no longer of this world. He belonged to Jesus. But he didn't try to escape the world. He desired that everybody hear the message that Jesus can save us both in this life and in eternity. And his word, his calling was broadcast across the entire world. Friends, that's God's call for you. That's God's call for me. You do not belong to this world. We are not without hope today. But God doesn't want us to escape in fear. He wants us to live in faith, trusting in his protection, that he indeed will protect us from the evil one. Would you join me in prayer? God, I think this message hits every one of us at some point. Father, many of us have forgotten where our home is. Our home is not this world. Our home is with you. And so, Lord, I pray that you'd speak to those who need to be reminded what they're living for is not about the money. It's not about the popularity. It's not about the prestige, but it's about you and your kingdom. And, Lord, for those who feel like they can just not handle the fear anymore and they're just going to escape and going to hide, that that's not your call either. I pray that you give courage to those who are facing fear today. And, Jesus, I pray that each one of us would go 
into this world, protected from the evil one. In Jesus' name, amen. hope you enjoyed today's lesson and that it spoke to you. If you have prayer needs or want more information about us, we invite you to stop by our website, mywrbc.org, and click on contact. Please use the word podcast in the subject line. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Keyword, mywrbc. At Westport Road Baptist Church, we love God and love people. Please join us for Sunday morning service at either 9.30 a.m. or 11 a.m. We also have Sunday school for all ages during both service times. Thanks again for listening and join us next week for another message from God's Word.